Good morning. I want you to get your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. The reason I ask you to get your Bibles is because while it's good that we throw the scriptures up on the screen for you to read, in case you didn't bring your Bible, it is always great to open the book itself and to read it straight from the Word of God and let it touch your heart. And I'm glad that you are saying right from the beginning that you want open hearts to receive the word. That is so important. People come sometimes with their own agenda. They come with their own ideas of of what they think they ought to see, what they ought to learn. But sometimes you get surprised if you have an open heart. And you begin to learn something you didn't realize before. You become convicted by God of something. And so that's what I hope will happen today. As uh, Tim mentioned, this is our last Sunday to be with you uh, for a while. Uh, we are already making plans in our minds to come back again. And we don't know when God's will is for that, but we are going to be open to it. Uh, we are going to uh, do everything that we can from our end to come back and be with you to bring others with us because the excitement that you have given us, um, we came, uh, someone said to, you've treated us like kings and queens. Uh, we came honestly to be as much servants as we possibly could be, but you have made us, you made, you made us more than welcome. And for that, we thank you. Thank you very much. In fact, I would like to give um, each of our team members who are up here, Marielle is is actually downstairs giving her testimony there. Uh, but uh, the rest of the team, is, is Adam downstairs as well? Yeah, Adam is downstairs as well. But um, I'm going to ask if any one of the team, Jake, uh, Connie, or Debbie, would like to come and share a few words. Uh, please come on up to the front. We'll start with Jake. Big Tito, Tito Jake? Uncle Jake. Uncle Jake. Thank you, Jim. Um, the words just aren't there to explain our gratitude to each of you for all the love that you've poured out to us. And we hope to take that, that love back to Maryland in the USA and spread that love. Because this church, this fellowship, each soul within here is the light. You are the light of the world. And you're expressing the light throughout the San Fernando community and all throughout the Philippines. And we want to take that light back to the U.S. I was explaining to Jim and our, our team that being here is like diving into a pool of light. Imagine just being surrounded in, in your entire body with the light, the spirit that is from this fellowship. You are wonderful and you are blessed and you've made us feel very welcome. I do have a challenge for you. I want to challenge each of the men in this congregation to be the men of God that is defined in the Bible, to be the model, the head of the family. Each man, be the man that your children want you to be, that your wife wants you to be, that Christ himself wants you to be. The women in the congregation, be the wife and the mother and the sisters that Christ calls you to be in your heart. Don't let anything stand in between you and the model that Christ gives. Let the passion be there. Let it remain. Let it grow. You are the fertile ground. You children, obey your parents just like it says in the Bible. Honor your parents and bless them with your lives. And you young men, seek out a godly wife and you young women, seek out a godly man to live your life with and flourish and grow the kingdom. May God bless each and every one of you and may God put all of his legions of angels all around this place 
to protect all of us from the slings and arrows of Satan because he, he is there and he does not want this light to shine. But every day that you shine, you're defeating the evil one. May God bless your efforts and thank you. Connie or Debbie, would you like to come and share something with everyone? And by the way, you know, as Jake was talking, a thought occurred to me, a, a bit of a challenge. When he's speaking to the men, he's not talking just to the young men. He's talking about those of us and you who have a few years on them. Hey, oh, the older men, the older men. Hey, listen, I have talked with the ladies in this church family over the last couple of weeks. Do you know what their heart aches for? Is for the men to rise and lead. And I'm telling you, if the men will not rise and lead, God will raise the women to lead. And that will be all right. But God wants the men to mature, to grow, to step up. And some of us who are a little older may need to knock our pride down. And like some of the young men who have submitted themselves to be mentored, to be trained, you may need to do that. One of the joys that it's been for me to be here is for two weeks, Tim has been a mentor to me. Tim is 41. Getting to be an old guy. I am 54. And I have learned so much. Because I think one of the things that God brought me here to do was to sit at his feet. And to learn from him. And some of you who are my age, you men, or close to it, learn. And rise to be the leaders that God wants you to be, not just in your home, but in your church and in this family. I just want to go Tagalog yung sinabi ni Jim, kasi napakahalaga yung challenge ni Jim. He's been here for two weeks, so marami siya nakita dito sa church. And ang nilagay ng God sa puso ni Jim para sa church, is sabi niya, is buti na lang na yung mga young men nagsaserve and nagpapamentor sila. Pero sabi niya, hindi ang challenge nila, Jim and Jake, bilang mga lalaki, hindi lang sa mga kabataan, hindi lang sa mga bata, kundi para din sa mga matanda na 54 years old pataas. Ang challenge niya is pati kayo. It's time to rise up, step up. And sabi niya, kailangan siguro na ibaba ang iyong pride Long enough to be trained, to be taught by someone na maaring mas bata pa sa'yo. Ang example na sinabi niya is, ako 41, mas, malayong ako mas bata sa kanya. 54. <laughs> Way younger than Jim. And uh, nag, nagpapamentor din siya habang andito siya. And sinasabi niya, maganda yan. Kailangan natin yon para ma-rise up. Dahil ang sigaw ng puso ng mga babae is sana may mga lalaki na mag-initiate, na mag-lead. Okay? So that's uh, a word from the Lord today. Connie? Okay. I just wish I could take this church home with us because you are infectious. Your love and boldness for the Lord is just has been so encouraging to all of us. Oh, I'm not good at this. <laughs> oh, but thank you so much for opening your lives and sharing your hearts with us and just the spirit, your spirits of love and giving and compassion and your love for the Lord is just has been such an encouragement to me. It, it will carry me many many days we we have a saying that you know you you hug on your kids and you hug on people and you fill up your love bank my love bank is overflowing right. <laughs> um i'm so glad we've taken so many pictures and we will look at those so fondly and remember and cherish 
the fun we've had, the laughter we've had, the tears we've shared together, the prayers prayed. And um, I just commend the women, the, the cell groups I've been privileged to be a part of. Stay strong, stay together, stay connected, rely on each other, pray with each other. Um, your relationships will grow with each other and with the Lord. And um, I just love you. Love you all. Well, Connie pretty much said everything that my heart would reflect, and she said it very eloquently. Thank you, Connie. Um, I want to add to what you and Jim said, because last night after date night, I was standing in the back, and I was talking to several of the teens, and I was commending them on their maturity and their leadership and what an example they are. And they looked at me and said, we would like for you to pray that more adults would step up and become leaders because we need leaders. We need men and women that we can emulate, that we can follow, that we can learn from. Your children are hungry for that. And they are asking us to pray for that. And uh, I was very touched by that, and I, and I hope that every adult will step up to that challenge. Your children need you. They desperately want you to lead them in the Lord. That is unheard of uh, in teenagers, for the most part, around the world. Unheard of. So that is a treasure, one that I hope that you will see and that you will respond to. And I have a word from the Lord that he brought to my heart yesterday for you, for San Fernando, for SFCC. Uh, it comes from Deuteronomy, chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. And I'm going to change the wording a little bit. Hear, O San Fernando, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you wake up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And lastly, from Ephesians Chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. This is my prayer for you. This is from all of our team, I, I would presume to say. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. As we get ready to leave this place, I was trying to think what is the best encouragement or word from God that I might be able to leave with you. And I began thinking about something that friends of mine who are professional counselors have said. They have said that the number one problem that people have that come to them 
is either that they are unwilling to forgive someone or they do not know how themselves to receive forgiveness. So today I wanted to talk with you about God's grace, but also his forgiveness. Because I know that in my church family, the need to forgive and the need to receive forgiveness is a great problem that stops us sometimes from being used of God. But I also know that because Jesus talks about it, that it's not just a problem in my church family, but the need for forgiveness and the giving of it is a problem in this church as well. You are a great church being used of God in many wonderful ways. But I know this problem is here. And sometimes it is the deepestly, most deep, deeply rooted problem in our hearts because we find ways to hide it. We find ways to mask it. We play the game. And all else that we do, we worship and we sing and we get involved with missions and we're in cell groups. But all the time we carry something within us that keeps us from having or robs us from the joy and the fullness of life in His Spirit that God wants us to have. So today I talk with you about grace. Because when you talk about grace, what you're talking about are relationships. First and foremost, God's relationship with us. The one that He initiated. So that we in turn could have relationship with Him. But here's the thing. Grace that has been so freely given. Grace that has been given is grace which or grace that has been received is grace that must be given because that is when it moves from just simply being an abstract concept to being a concrete reality and the concrete of grace is forgiveness you cannot talk about grace without talking about forgiveness if you want to have relationships, if you want to have a church family or a personal family or any relationship that will last for the long haul, you must learn to forgive. In every relationship, you are going to constantly be called upon to forgive or even to ask for forgiveness. And grace and forgiveness are those kinds of virtues that people most enjoy, but they least employ. Because grace are, and forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness isn't fair. Forgiveness is not natural to us. And that's why it's so hard. One of the people that I love in the scriptures is Peter. And of all the disciples of Jesus, Peter is perhaps the most mathematical. Peter counts everything. He's the detail guy. He wants to know what everything means that Jesus says. There was a, you remember the story when Jesus engineered a miraculous catch of fish? And they draw the nets up. It's Peter who goes running to the net, gets down in the sand, opens them up, and begins counting the fish one by one. 153, the Bible says. As you look through the Scripture, there are at least seven recorded instances in which Peter himself needed forgiveness. But here in this passage in Matthew chapter 18, 
One day Peter comes up to Jesus and he asks the question, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Now here's Peter, the mathematical guy, who himself has sinned at least on seven different occasions on which he needs forgiveness. Now he's concerned with how many times he had to forgive someone else. And he's trying to discover, I call it the mathematical formula for grace. When you think about it, there are barriers that keep us from giving the gift of forgiveness to others. There's a line that we will not cross. There's a threshold that we will not enter. A limit beyond which we will not go. And I can think of at least three barriers to having a forgiving heart. One is a, the barrier of revenge. I will get even. The second is the barrier of resentment. I'm going to stay angry. Then third is remembering. I'll never forget what you've done to me. And oh my goodness, you, there are others you could come up with. And you can discuss those the more in the, in the cell groups. But my goodness, these are the things sometimes we just very subtly mask. But they're there. And honestly, we've all asked the question at one time or another, how many times do I have to forgive this guy? I'm getting tired of it. Why does he keep hurting me like this? And Peter, like us, we, wanted, we want to know when it's okay to say, that's enough. You've messed up one too many times. And, and Peter, even before Jesus gets a chance to answer his question, comes up with the answer himself. You know, we're like that, you know. We ask God about things and we bring a plan to God and say, God, what do you think about Should I do this? And by the way, here's the answer. And... Huh? And so that's what Peter was doing. He had an answer to his own question. And so Peter says, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother who has sinned against me? Up to seven times? Now really, that was a very good answer. Because you see, in the time of Jesus, the Jewish teachers, the rabbis, taught that you only had to forgive someone three times. And then after that, you could retaliate. And so Peter comes along. He has been learning from Jesus, the greatest rabbi. And he's been thinking his theology through. And so he says, Jesus, let's try this. Shall I forgive my brother seven times? Now, what that meant was, take the three times, double it to six times. And then, Jesus, we will add one more for good measure. Seven times. And by the way, seven is a number symbolically in Jesus' day, that meant perfection. And so Peter's clever answer that he came up with to Jesus, let's double it, add one more, and we have a wonderful symbol for perfect perfection, forgiveness. But you know what Jesus did? He did to Peter like he does to us when we come to him with our own answers. He surprised him. And he said, no, Peter, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now you can just see Peter falling to the floor in a dead faint. And then he finally gets up and he pulls out of his robe his calculator. And he begins punching in the numbers. 70 times, 490 times? But Jesus isn't suggesting that we count the number of times we forgive someone. 298. 
299, 300, only 190 to go. No, Jesus meant that there is to be no limit, no limit to the number of times that we forgive someone. You do not keep score. This is not the World Cup. You do not keep score when it comes to forgiveness. And so, since the truth of forgiveness without limits is very hard for us to understand, it doesn't come naturally to us. So Jesus tells a story, a parable, to illustrate what he meant. In the first part of this story, he's going to talk about those of us who need forgiveness. In the second part, he's going to talk about those we need to forgive and how to do that. So first of all, let's talk about when we need forgiveness. Let's listen to the first part of the story. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me. He begged. And I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now this is the first part of the story that Jesus tells. But notice that the king was moved with compassion. And he does something for the man that the man does not even ask for. Does not even think is possible. The man's trying to make a deal with God. Say, God be patient with me. I will repay you, the king. I will repay you, king, everything that I owe you. This guy owed him, the king, 50 million pesos. I don't know how much that, that's a lot. But he owed him an unrepayable amount of money. But the king not only releases him, but he forgives the debt. And this is at great personal cost to the king. But he still, he wipes the slate clean. He erases the books. He cancels the debt. And now this man owes him nothing. And that is exactly what forgiveness is all about. Because to forgive is to cancel the debt. When we've wronged someone and they choose to forgive us, they're saying, in essence, you don't owe me anything. I release you from ever having to pay me back. The servant did not deserve this forgiveness. This possibility was not even on his mind. It was purely an act of grace and mercy on the part of the king. So what I want to do from this, first of all, is to give you three steps. Three steps if you are in need of forgiveness. The first step is this, to face your friend or your foe, whichever the case may be. But get with him, get with her, face to face, if at all possible. Sometimes that will not be possible because the one you need forgiveness from is gone they're dead it would be it's just impossible but to the best of your ability do not text them do not facebook them do not email them 
Go to them so that you can look them eye to eye. Jesus said in Matthew 5, If your brother has something against you, go and be reconciled to your brother. Secondly, own the wrong. It wasn't someone else's fault. You did it. Stop being a coward and own it. When we mess up our relationships with someone, Jesus wants us to own the wrong. We have an expression, I don't know if you have it here, we say when we've done something wrong, my bad, my bad, my bad. It's not enough just to acknowledge the mistake, we need to own it. And then thirdly, ask for release. Cannot tell you how important this one is. After facing your friend, owning the wrong, ask for release. And I would suggest you say these words. This will be helpful. Ready? I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Okay? You need to write those down if you can't remember just those nine words. But those nine words spoken from the heart to someone from whom you need forgiveness will change relationship. It changes you. may not change the other person. The other person may say, no, I will not. But it's not about whether or not you actually receive the forgiveness. Jesus wants you to go and make things right to the best of your ability. So here we go. I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. You know what that does for relationships between husbands and wives? It makes things better. It makes things better. Fathers and children, mothers and their children, children to their parents. Sometimes it's very difficult for young people. Mama, Papa, I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Now they may forgive you. You still may need to get uh, a little, um, little correction. But those words can change relationships forever. Okay, so let's now talk about when we need then to forgive others. Let's go on with the story. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. See, we're a lot like that, aren't we? Yeah. When someone does something wrong, we want to see them punished. We want them to pay for the damage they've done to us. And Jesus tells us that this man's friend fell to his knees and he, and he asked, for time. 
He used the same words that this man had used before the king. Be patient with me, and I will pay you back everything. But he only owed a small amount as compared to what this other servant owed to the king. But instead of forgiving the wrong out of gratitude for the forgiveness that he had received, it says that he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Here's the thing. We can be a lot like this man when we do not or we will not forgive others. Sometimes we try to throw people in prison. We do it in a slightly different way. Not a physical prison, but here, here, for example, the prison of the silent treatment. Or just avoiding them altogether. Not, you, you know where they're going to be, you're going to be somewhere else. We might launch a verbal attack against that person. I just want to ask you, are you holding some grudge right now? Are you trying to make someone feel miserable? It doesn't matter how you're doing it. You could come up with a whole bunch of different ways. Silent treatment, avoiding them. You want to just verbally assault them. You want to tell them what's what. See, what's so shocking about this story that we've seen is that here is this servant who has received such grace and such mercy and such forgiveness, so unwilling to forgive someone who owed him so much less. Jesus said the person who is forgiven little loves little. But the first person who is forgiven much, loves much. And that's what this story, that's why it surprises us. Because he was forgiven much. Sometimes we try to torture people, we throw them into the prison, but really the torturers are upon us. The hidden tortures of anger and bitterness that just eats your insides out. The, the hidden torturers of, of frustration and malice which can lead to, to, to ulcers and, and, and migraine headaches and back pain and blood pressure going up. The hidden torturers that just make you lie awake at night stewing about what that person or persons have done to you. See, the torturers of an unforgiving heart, they will stalk you day and night, and they will drain the joy of life that God wants you to have right out of your soul. Because you will not forgive from the heart. You see, when we don't forgive, we are the ones who remain bound. We are the ones who remain imprisoned. Someone said, when I genuinely forgive, I set a prisoner free. And then discover that the prisoner I set free was me. The Bible says that when we wrong someone, we're to go meet with them face to face. Earlier in this same chapter, chapter 18 of Matthew, Jesus said in verse 15, if, if your brother sins against you, Go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. Notice that he doesn't say, go talk about it with a few other people. And then maybe, you know, what do you, you know what he did to me? What do you think I ought to do? Hey, okay, do you know what, you know what he did to me? What do you think I ought to do? That is gossip. 
You got hurt and you want everybody to know you're hurt. And you want people to know whose fault it is. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if your brother has sinned against you, you go to him, just the two of you, and win your brother over. That's the way it works. If someone has wronged you, you are the one who has responsibility to go and to help make it right. Jesus tells us to do these things. We call him our Lord. We call him our King. We sang some great songs today about his, his majesty. And our eyes were closed and our hands were clapping and our hands were raised in the air. And we said, Majesty, King. But I'm not forgiving her. Why do you call him Lord? Lord. And don't do the things that he says. Watch this. Laura. Hey, Lord. So how did it go with Kat? Did you talk to her? Oh, well, Lord, not exactly. <laughs> did you forgive her? Well, Lord, I mean, I was just thinking, like, why should I forgive her? <laughs> because I asked you to. Well, yeah, I know you did, Lord, but why? We shouldn't have to know why, just that I asked you to do it. Well, that doesn't make any sense, Lord. I mean, you don't understand the situation. Kathleen has an attitude problem. Laura, you believe that I know what is best for you and for Kat? Well, yeah, Lord. Then you'll do this. But, Lord... This is no different than when I've asked you to do anything else. Well, yes, this is, Lord. This is way different. When I asked you to quit your job, you quit. Well, of course, Lord, but I didn't like my job, so I was happy to leave, you know? I mean, this is way different. Okay, Lord, you know what? I've got an idea. How about we give it a week and I'll pray about it? Uh, I'll give you my answer now. Uh, but, Lord... Look, Kat's coming by here very soon. She's coming okay? by here? Well, yes. let's go. Now's your no. chance to talk to no. her. I want you to but forgive Lord, her. Lord, you don't understand it. Hey, Laura, <laughs> hi. It's been like hi. two weeks wow. since we've had coffee. Yeah. Oh, it has. We should totally get together this week. Oh, wow, I can't do that. I am so busy. Oh, yeah. Well, how about next week? Well, you know, actually, I don't think it's going to happen for a while. Oh, well, is everything okay? Oh, yeah, everything's great. Uh-huh. All right. Um, I guess I'll just um, see you later then. Bye. Lord, did you hear that attitude? I thought you were going to forgive her. I thought you said we could wait a week, Lord. No, you said that. Oh, okay, Lord, you're being unreasonable, okay? Why don't you just go talk to Kathleen and have her come to me and ask for my forgiveness? Laura, you need to obey. I want you to forgive Kat. But Lord... Why do you keep calling me Lord? You won't even do what I ask. Three reasons to forgive. One, because you have received grace and forgiveness. Secondly, because an unforgiving spirit inflicts torment. It does. I am angry with Tim. He has done something to me. Watch me stand here and be angry at Tim. Tim is laughing at me. Tim is not affected by my anger. Now, who is? Just me. And it tears me up. It robs me of the joy. An unforgiving spirit inflicts torment, not on the person who needs forgiveness, but upon my heart. And thirdly, forgiveness frees people. It frees me. 
Someone said that to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. Ernest Hemingway, an American writer, all this, if you go to college, you have to study his short stories and novels. But Ernest Hemingway loved to write about the country of Spain. And in one of his short stories, he told the story of a father and a son who had a falling out. They were always arguing with each other, angry with each other. Finally, the son leaves home. The father does not know where he's gone. After a few years, the father decides to go and look for his son. He searches all over Spain. Finally, he comes to the capital city of Madrid. It is such a large city, he doesn't know where to begin, so he goes to the local newspaper office. And he takes out a big ad. And the ad says, Pablo, no, Paco is his name. Paco, all is forgiven. Please come back to me. Meet me here at the newspaper office at 12 noon tomorrow. All is forgiven. The next day, 800 men named Paco were standing in front of the building looking to receive forgiveness. And my guess is today there are a few Pacos here. And there are some who are seeking forgiveness. You may need forgiveness from someone. You may need to forgive someone. But you may need divine forgiveness. And I'm here to tell you today that the King stands ready to cancel the debt, your debt to him, because of your sin and mine. He stands ready to cancel that debt at great cost to himself because it came at the price of Jesus dying on the cross to cancel the debt. Do you realize that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was doing business with the Father. When he said, it is finished. He wasn't saying, whew, I am glad this is over. It was a business term that was used to settle an account. And when the debt was paid in full, they would take the paper that showed what the debt was, and they would cancel it with the word tetelestai. It is finished. And probably a better way to say it is done. <laughs> it's done. And so Jesus was not crying out some wimpy, oh, glad this is over. Now I can rest for a while. He was saying, the victory has been won. The debt is now canceled and it is paid. And he offers it to freely by God's grace to every single one of us. Today, if you need to receive this gift, if you have a debt that needs to be canceled, 
This is the day. Do not walk out of here. Not this day. Do not walk out of here this day carrying this burden any longer. Let him pay your debt. And you can walk out of here with joy and with the kind of heart that really knows how to forgive others freely. Not 298 times, not 299 times, not 300 times, not 490 times, but every time. And if you want that, receive it. Receive it now. Here's how I want you to respond. One of three ways. Do you need to ask for forgiveness? Get up and go ask for it. There may be somebody in this room and you're waiting till I'm finished talking. Do not wait till I finish talking. If you need to go and ask someone for forgiveness, get up now, go to that person, grab them by the hand, go back in the corner and say, I was wrong, I am sorry, please forgive me. And pray with that person. Maybe you're the person who needs to extend forgiveness. Somebody has wronged you. Get up and go to that person. Jesus says, go win your brother. Go win them over. But do you need to extend forgiveness? Or thirdly today, do you need to admit your own sins and receive God's grace and forgiveness? As we leave this place, that is our heart's desire for you. It is God's desire for you and for the people of this this city, this province, this region, this country, and what God wants for every person on the face of this earth. But right now, He's not talking to the whole world. He's talking to you. Just to you. Maraming Salamat.